0: Welcome, and thanks for joining us for another sermon from True Vine Baptist Church. This week, we turn to the book of Ephesians, and during this sermon, we take a look at how God's Word calls us to equip ourselves for the ministry. You can join us by turning in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 as Pastor Ben Hartwick delivers his sermon titled Growing in Christ. gave these gifts, and these are the gifts of actual individuals, right? These are people. That's what we said last time. That's part you're supposed to remember. So what we said last time. He gave the gifts of these individuals to the church for the purpose of what? Verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That would be, of course, us. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For doing what? And so we're equipped for building up the body of Christ. That is the purpose, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried around by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceit, For our Lord's help as we get into this passage. Father, we are thankful for your word to us on this as it concerns what it means to build up the body. What it actually means for this body, this individual specific body here in Ferdinand, Father, to be built up together, to be unified together, to be um, purposeful in our work. For the kingdom and for your glory and for your purpose. And Father, help us to see that which is just that important as we go forward in this. And Lord, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. Give us help and wisdom in this. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we think of this, and I want us to kind of go back to that verse uh, 12. uh, 13 as we think of this question of what is it to build the body? What does it mean to build the body in the larger context of this passage? Because we think of the term church growth and we might ask, okay, well, what is that? What is church growth? I mean, truly, what is it? Because in our church today, when we think of church growth, that answer could be different depending on who you ask. And I don't mean uh, different denominations. That answer could be different within our own denomination on who you ask. And uh, this has really got, has been a worked up thing in the past uh, decade or two as far as what this means from everything from smoke machines in churches to light shows in churches to, to, uh, to the hottest new program and what is the new thing. But When we answer that question, what is church growth, we have to ask the question first, what is important as it pertains to the church? What is important as we look at the church and we decide what is going to be, what is our thing? What is the church's thing to be? What is important in the church? Now. That could also be quite different depending on who you ask. That could be, and again, I'm not going to even have to mention other denominations. We'll look at our own. That question of what is important could be quite different depending on who you ask. What building the body look like. Because what building the body looks like will be different depending on what is important, right? And how we do things. Now, pastors are constantly sent information on seminars, We're sent stuff on books. We're sent books for free. Read this free book. Generally, stuff is worth what you pay for it, you know. Uh, but you're sent stuff on programs of special organizations that are devoted exclusively to the idea of growing the church and church growth. Some of these things are indeed helpful. We recognize a lot of them are fuel for your campfire. Uh, but we recognize that those that help us focus on church growth, real church growth, kingdom growth, that which is, is actually important, are helpful only when they're consistent with the principles that Paul teaches, right? That we're taught in the Word. In these verses, what we have is we have the formula for church growth. You know, Brian had said this morning in Sunday school, he was talking about brevity, right? We, you know, we look towards, well, what is church growth? And books are a good thing, right? We read books. We look at books. These are good things. But to spell out a 600-page plan on church growth whenever it's right here before us in a few verses, this is tremendously helpful, right? This is what Paul gives us in these verses. We have God's plan. God's plan, we recognize, is the proper plan. This is the one right plan. Why? Because it's about Him. It's about His glory. And it's about His purpose. All that we've heard from the first three chapters of Ephesians, right? We get that early on in chapter 1. What is this about? This is about His glory. This is about about the surpassing worth of His greatness, right? And so it all must start there. It's His plan. So we have to say that no matter your, quote-unquote, church growth strategy, any so-called building that has church on the sign that has left the gospel behind, For something that will build numbers is not only no longer a church, but they're manipulating and stealing from Christ's church. Now, Paul Washer said this. He said, those that sit under false prosperity driven preaching are not victims. This was interesting that the way he put this and I totally agree this agree with this. He says, those that sit under false prosperity driven preaching are not victims. They are culprits. Because they want exactly what the false teacher wants, and it isn't God. And so there is a thievery that's going on in a twisting and contorting. And so whenever we think of numbers, as in butts and seats, right, there is an attempt to steal from Christ. Now, we know that ultimately who wins this, right? We've read the end. We know who wins this. We know Christ wins. We know the end. But... Previously in Ephesians, we had discussed the fact that God gives spiritual gifts uh, to individuals and gifts of men. That was the passage previous in verse 11, the gifts of men to the church. This is for all of us, for ministry to the church. It is God's plan for those leaders to equip, those leaders to build up, and to develop His church. By that, That's the standard operating procedure, right? That's the SOP. If, there, if you had a, a book full of, uh, of, of standard operating procedures, that's what it would be. That is the operating procedure, and it's set forth here. There's a progression here that he goes with, a a purpose that he goes with, and, and, and his pattern that he has, his function for the church by him, not by the schemes of man, which may indeed build a crowd. And we have to be careful because we can get confused by crowds, right? We can find ourselves getting confused by crowds because what happens? We see a big crowd and we say, hey, God's working there. There's a big crowd, so God is working there because there's a big crowd. And we have to be very, very careful whenever we do this. Because if God was working through big crowds, again, we would have to say Jesus was a failure, right? Um, Because he had 12 guys, and then he was deserted. Jesus was not a failure, for you wouldn't be here if Jesus was a failure. We're interested in the body of Christ. If we get a crowd, if we get more people, that's awesome. That's great. We want more people be worshiping God. Right. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Right. I mean, we we know that. And so if if we get a crowd, more people, that is great. But we are looking ultimately for his glory. So, again, I mentioned this previously as we had been going through Ephesians, all that that you remember. Right. Uh, Concerning uh, people's comment. And I have said this countless times that we have to be careful of this because people want to know and they ask the question what is God's plan for my life you've heard me say this before and I'm saying it again okay what is God's plan for my life well here again it's in this passage what is God's plan for my life his plan is very simple and it's right here get equipped and build the body right that's his plan what do we see we see get equipped build up the body be involved in his church how do I serve? What do I do? What is God's plan for my life? Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to pick on the Hikis for a second because I love them and you always pick on people that you love. They, we know that they're leaving us. We're sad about that, but we're very glad and joyous at the same time, right? Now, what, did, what happened? Whenever they decided to go to Scotland, what happened? Well, it just so happened they were sitting on the hillside, okay, and there was a plane that flew by. And there was a big banner behind that plane that said, hickies. You are to go to Scotland. That's what the sign said. And then there was writing in the sky that told them the very same thing. Right. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) What happened? Now, what's interesting is every single time that Logan or Elizabeth ask for prayer for the people in Scotland or the 20 schemes ministry, what do they talk about? They talk about the need there. They talk about the need. They just don't have the people for the just the massive need that there is. What you do is you identify a need and you serve it. Right. And that's exactly what they did. I didn't see writing in the sky. You know, I I, I had a I had a professor one time in seminary and he said he said, you know, the problem is these so many of these guys. They they want God to speak to them about a particular people group. You know, the the. The Quichua people in Ecuador, which is a real people group in Ecuador, the Quichua people in Ecuador, that's that's where God wants me. And He has spoken to me and said, The Quichua people in Ecuador, that did not happen to them. What did they see? They saw a need that needed to be filled, and they met it. And so what we see is this is what we're talking about. Get equipped, meet a need, right? And that need is indeed the gospel. That's what they're going for. That's what we go for. We go for the gospel. If we're not involved in his church, then we've fallen outside of his plan. I mean, that's that's simple. Again, Brian talked about brevity this morning, right? Talked about succinctness this morning in our Bible study and and, and being brief. And that's what this is. It's like if you are not involved in his church, you've fallen outside of his plan. If you're not meeting needs of people in the church, you've fallen outside of his plan. If you're not sharing the gospel, you've fallen outside of his plan. It, it, it recently did, it, what we've went through directly applies and what we've done. We've had a season where we we were live streaming the service. We still are. But we had a season where we were live streaming the service because this building was uh, was empty. And we were live streaming the service because of everything that was going on in the world. This was never intended to be permanent, right? It was not intended to be a permanent thing. I mean, our sermons will forevermore be, they'll they'll be, you'll be able to access them through iTunes. Shameless plug, right, TJ? Shameless plug for iTunes and the place, you know, and and Android. You'll be able to get our sermons, but they won't be live streamed just like this. This wasn't intended to be purpose, uh, 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 permanent in all the questions of what is God's will for my life I can most assuredly tell you it is not to sit on the couch in your PJ's and watch the service now we, we did that for a time that's the way that we were together for a time right and, and we had to do that that's what we were doing God's will for your life is to get equipped and serve the body is to get equipped and serve Christ We are to be equipped. God's design is that this equipping is accomplished in one way through the local church right that's the way it is laid out in the new testament that it is done through the local church it's done through we, we come we gather for teaching we gather for preaching this is done through sunday school this is done through our discipleship groups that are starting back in again shameless plug that they are indeed starting back up this month is done through helping with things like our back to school bash things like uh, our good news club which uh, is still questionable on whether we're Please be praying for for that because uh, we're hoping that's going to get to start back up with school as school starts back up. And and serving with Christ as our purpose. Then that we would take on the likeness of Christ through continual obedience to Him and His Word. These verses, they, they not only display the individual but the collective equipping of the saints. Because we do this together. We're not doing this in a vacuum by ourselves. We're doing this together. It's not intended for us to be doing this alone. The equipping of each believer, what it does is it results in the unity of all of us. When we're equipped together, we're unified together with a common purpose. Again, this isn't done whenever I'm sitting at home watching the service, right? It doesn't work that way. Eventually, that will disconnect us. And, and if we're honest, we have to say that that did do something. I mean, it, it's, it didn't do permanent harm on us, but it didn't it didn't do us good to be disconnected like that. And because we're not meant to be disconnected like that. We're meant to be together. We're meant to be gathering together. And so this is the reason for uh, things like Sunday morning Bible study. This is the reason for our discipleship groups um, that meet. And so. Uh, Although often things like that get left behind for um, the newest, latest trend, whatever that may be. So what is the primary, The what's primary first purpose of the the pastor teacher? Well, it's to, to feed himself and then feed his people, right? To feed his people, the word of God. And, and you know, as we think about that, we think about how that is uh, the pastor. That is his primary purpose, not to be preoccupied with a million different things over here, but to be uh preoccupied and occupied with prayer and the Word of God. That second tool of equipping is indeed prayer. Uh, It's why we gather on Wednesday nights for prayer, right? Wednesday night prayer meeting, gathering for prayer every week, one of the most important things that we're going to do all week. A third thing that we do of equipping, one that we've uh, discussed concerning unity, is that we lead our fellow Christian from sin to obedience. Um, It's important you know we call that one anothering if you like but it's important that we come alongside each other again we're not meant to do this by ourselves we're not meant to be in this by ourselves we're meant to be accountable to one another it's why we can't separate ourselves outside of the body and just think that we can watch it on TV attend you know the the old thing first Baptist Church of Couch Spring right that uh, that that's not the idea It's that we go from sin to obedience and we do it alongside one another, being accountable to one another. Um, Also, it's testing, suffering. We have people in our midst that are suffering. Uh, They're being tested. And, you know, sometimes we we might think that some of them are uh, being tested and suffering more than what might be fair, we might say. You know, it's not for us to decide what's fair and what's not fair, but we look at that and we say, you know, what can we do? What do we do to help? What do we do to bear burden? What do we do to help people who are suffering? Because there are people among us that are indeed suffering. We recognize suffering. That is a means of spiritual equipping. It's hard. Suffering greatly often means being equipped greatly. And if I'm suffering, I have to ask what is God equipping me for? What is God doing in the midst of this? The sending of tests and suffering, they are God's operation, and He gives them to His saints according to His loving and sovereign will. In light of the development, we think of God's design, the question, what's the pastor? He's devoting himself to what? Acts 6.4 says prayer in the ministry of the Word. He has to be nourished on the words of faith. He has to be nourished in sound doctrine. If the pastor doesn't have sound doctrine, we know that the church won't either. When the pastor is sound, he will prescribe, he will teach, he will read publicly, he will exhort others. But if the teacher or teachers in our church, if they have major theology problems, whenever we see a church that has major theology problems, why is that? Because their leader does. And that becomes to maybe even cease to be a church and begin to be something else. Entertainment. Entertainment. Another thing gets hit on: entertainment. Church needs to be entertained. We need somebody entertaining. We want entertainment. We have entertainment at every turn. You know, especially in our Western world, we have entertainment everywhere we look. Our children have entertainment everywhere they look. Now, that doesn't mean you enjoy it. We had together for the gospel this earlier this year that was canceled, right? It was canceled because, again, of of everything, large gatherings, right? So it was canceled. And we don't go into together for the gospel thinking, man, I am really going to hear some lousy sermons this week. And it's really going to build me up and edify me. Okay, so don't get me wrong. It's not that you don't enjoy it. It's not that you don't like it. But when we think of entertainment, this is something different. You go to entertain. entertaining is something different than what we have here. This is edification. This is different. You know, our children who are b- being taught right now, they're little theologians, theology coming out of their mouth. We've heard it as they stand here in front of us and they say the things that they've said. We've seen some stuff that that Cindy had recorded and all of you that are working with our children. This is, you may not realize just how big of a deal this is right now and what they're learning and the things that they're memorizing and they're hearing and they're doing. And then whenever we see them, theology coming out of their tiny faces, this is a big deal. This is huge for us. And so they don't need, we don't need to take them and entertain them. This is what they're after. They're having fun doing it too. Religious entertainment neither comes from or leads to spiritual maturity. It comes from and, and promotes self. It comes from self. It promotes self. In addition to this, the, the pastor, the teacher, the leader in the church cannot fulfill the God-given responsibility of preaching and prayer if he was planning and administering a multitude of these programs, the hottest, latest program. So if or when a church fails, and by the way, when we talk about a church failing, a church, that doesn't mean necessarily its doors close. A church can be open for 50 years and fail for many of them, right? We recognize that. A church can fail with a very large gathering. It doesn't fail because it had the wrong program, right? Right? It fails because of a lack of the gospel. So know this: my concern and Josh's concern. I know I will speak for him in this. Uh, our concern, as 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 pastors, and your concern, should not be for empty seats. Okay. Now today, of course, we have quite a few because we have a lot of people traveling, right? My family is traveling, and um, we. But our concern, outside of that, if everybody was here today, whatever everybody is, right? If we were all here today we would have empty seats still. Our concern is not for those empty seats, first and foremost. We don't, we don't look at the empty seats and say, what do we have to do to fill those empty seats? Even if we had a building that would say, seat, I don't know, 200 people, and we had the exact same number of people as we do now, not as we'll have you know, on a, on a Sunday where we have everybody here, nobody traveling or something like this. The main concern is for the saints in our care. That is our main concern. That's not being inwardly focused, by the way. That's not being inwardly focused and saying our four no more, you know, and, and, and just these people inside these walls. So, for instance, let's say, um, let's say we were going to build a new church building, right? Because we are. And let's say that it was going to be more suitable than this one. And it will be lots more suitable than this one. And let's say that it would see two or three times more people than this one comfortably, okay? And then we move into it and we look around and we say, man, it's empty in here. There's only 90 people in here or something like this. We got to shift our focus. We got to shift our focus to getting these seats filled. We have to do what this church has done always and what it's currently doing. And that's concentrate on the spiritual health of ourselves and each other. Because when we do that, the seats are going to fill as a natural outgrowth of that. That's the way that this has always happened. And that's the way this has always worked here. It's a natural outgrowth. When we are spiritually focused on what we're doing, where we're at, and where the person in front of you, behind you, to your right, to your left... You know, you look around, that person you need to be concerned about. We need to be concerned about each other because when we are, the natural outgrowth of that is what? The seeds will be filled. That will happen. And important growth is often in regard to that which we've already heard. You know, the the truths of the Word can't be overlearned. You're not going to master these in this lifetime. You know, the constant battle with the flesh, as long as we have breath, should long to learn the truths of the word. We have no time to spin our wheels in the latest and greatest program that has come out and just look to get butts down into seats while uh, people are drowning spiritually. So that aspect, another aspect in God's plan being service. Nobody can do it all. You know, we, we, we aren't to have 20 percent of the people doing 100 percent of the work. And luckily here, we don't have that. We have lots of people doing lots of work uh, that, you know, we know that, you know, a few doing a lot leads to burnout and bad things. We recognize that. But um, you're to be commended. You know, those you, I, I'll just mention again, those that are working with our children, you're doing an awesome job be commended for that and um, spiritual service. It should be the work of every saint of God. Simple attendance is a very, very poor substitute for participation in ministry. The intention is indeed to get your hands dirty, right? And these are the things that lead up to the building of the body. It's like you go to build a house. The body, it's it's built externally uh, through evangelism. But the concern is that the believers would be built up internally, the internal is, has got to be there or the external will not happen at least properly and that's done of course in the word of God so we know again the purpose of God's way here the purpose objective all this are the unity the unity of faith the knowledge of the son of God out of that naturally flow maturity sound doctrine right the unity of the faith that is the ultimate spiritual target for the church faith faith here doesn't refer to the act of belief right we're past that paul has went past to that first act of belief and faith We've moved past that. This is the body of Christian doctrine. We're in the part of Ephesians now where he has shifted his focus from all the th- a lot of the theology of the basis that he's building this on of the wise and the glory of God and, and the surpassing greatness of God and who you are in Christ. And we've, we're moving to that to now the very practical matters in this case concerning faith. This is the body of Christian doctrine now. And and, and the feet of it, right? This is the content of the gospel in its complete form. As the church at Corinth uh, illustrates vividly, disunity in a church, any church, comes from doctrinal ignorance. That's where disunity will come from. It'll come from spiritual immaturity. When believers are properly given a steady diet of the Word of God faithfully doing the work of service, the unity of faith. That's the result. God's truth is not fragmented and divided against itself. And when His people are fragmented and when they are divided, it simply means that they are to that degree apart from His truth, apart from the faith, apart from the right knowledge and understanding. Only a biblically equipped, faithfully serving church can attain this unity in the faith. Anything else is going to be human and driven by human. Another wonderful result of following God's plan of building His church is attaining the knowledge of the Son of God. Now again, this is not salvic here. This is not salvic at this point because we're, we're, we're way past that. This is already assumed. Salvation is assumed at this point in chapter 4. As Paul goes on and talks about the knowledge of the Son of God, this is not something that is salvation because that is assumed that that has already occurred. This is a deep knowledge. This isn't a, uh, well, you know, I got saved and I'm good and I'm just moving forward and doing as I please. No, this comes from a relationship with Christ, a faithful study of His Word, prayer, and prayer again service a spiritual maturity that brings us to sound doctrine no longer being tossed around is is a result of that right it's like it's like a child that you can that you can get them to, to go any way you like based upon what you tell them. When my sister was little, uh, this is what I used to do with her. I mean, you know, your, your, your younger sibling, you pick on, you, you give them a hard time, you, you, you manipulate them, and that's what I did. I'll admit that. I, I, I manipulated her to do whatever I want. You could tell the kid anything, and she would believe it, right? Well, what happens is, is if I don't know what the Word says, I can be manipulated and told anything and tossed around. The immature Christian is gullible. And in the history of the church, I don't know how many other groups of believers have fallen into more foolish nonsense in the name of Christianity than our Western world right now. Much of the church today. The number of, of foolish and even heretical leaders that are just sucking money and allegiance out of countless people. This is heartbreaking. Go back to that which I... that, that quote from Paul Washer that I mentioned they want what the preacher wants and it's not God and it's heartbreaking and again it comes from that you know just and, and every every head bowed and every eye closed and raise your hand if you want Jesus kind of, kind of religion it's that easy believism with teaching a, a message that doesn't have any content but worse than that It's often that the churches spiritually immature can be the influential leaders in the church, those that are subject to being tossed around by every wind of doctrine and trickery. And if that's the main teaching pastor of the church, the hottest new church growth book comes out and he gets tossed this way, and the, the, the next one comes out and he gets tossed that way. So for those who are solid and mature in the faith, there must be a speaking of the truth and love, right? It means very simply that we take a very hard and holy gospel message and we love people with the harshness of it. It's hard because we can be right with the message, but it can be cold. It can be hard. It's why we need the spiritual maturity that we can be loving with a message that is indeed harsh. It was harsh for me. Whenever I was Before I was born again, it was harsh to me. I didn't want to hear that that's who I was, but that's exactly who I was. A dreadful sinner that needed to be saved. And so we love with a message that is indeed harsh. And this is necessary if we're going to grow into His likeness. And so now we recognize, luckily, the power for this. As we look at where's the power for all this come from, we know where it comes from. And it's very fortunate that it does, because if the power came from us, we we would get nowhere. It doesn't come from the believers themselves. It doesn't come from uh, uh, some phenomenal structure that you have set up in a church. The body receives its authority. It receives its direction. It receives its power from Christ. It is from Him that the whole body is fitted together. The body is a living organism. You know, you can remove a foot. You can remove a hand. You can remove a leg. You can remove all these things. You know, I might be a fingernail. You can remove me and and it'll function. It's not going to function as well, right? We know that we don't function as well if we lost our hand. We don't function as well if we lost these things. But it'll still function as long as it has the head, right? As long as it has the head. We cannot remove the head. Whenever we remove Christ, the head, that's when we have failure. As we've said, the proper working of each individual part brings us back to the important importance of each individual believer's gift. You know, sometimes you don't realize how important you are. You know, and I'm not saying, oh, look at how great we are or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about within the operation of the church. We don't know. You know, you, you see. And, and, and sometimes leaders in the church take people for granted because they don't realize. Sometimes they miss it. You know, whenever that person... Wow, I, I had no idea just everything that she was doing. I, had, I just really didn't catch it. You know, because maybe she's sick one Sunday or, or, or this or that. I just didn't catch that. If the church grows, it's not going to be because Josh is clever or I'm clever or you're clever or we're so smart. It's that we are... We as the body of Christ following the head, Right? This is is about him and what he's doing. It's that we are following Christ. It's that we are using, every member is using his gift, her gift, in close contact in proximity with other believers, with him being the source of all of this. Where his people have close relationships of very genuine spiritual maturity, God is going to work. And when they are not faithful and intimate, he doesn't. God isn't looking for creativity in the latest and greatest program that's coming up. Although some of those things aren't bad. We recognize that some of those things will work. not looking for my ingenuity or my cleverness. He's looking for our willing obedience. He's looking for us to meet the needs of other people. The physical body functions properly only as each member is going in the direction that the head would have them to go. Right? It's building the body and doing it in love. Loving one another. And as with all living organisms, spiritual growth in the church, it doesn't come from forces outside, right? This isn't being driven from the outside, but from the vital power within that causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. All of this in love, which is to be the spirit of the fellowship of believers. Above all things, we are to manifest love. When they look at us, what do they see? Do they see love? And when it's being built up according to this plan, the world will know them by their what? They will see us. They will know us by our love and know this is the body of Christ. I'll wrap us up with, with this. Sometimes, just to illustrate, couples will plead their love to justify things that they maybe shouldn't be doing. Justify intimacy outside of wedlock or maybe even cohabitation outside of wedlock. We don't need a certificate. We don't need a piece of paper. Our love is what counts. When you look at the covenant of marriage and you look at what God has done in covenant and you look at what a covenant is and you look at the covenant with Abraham or David, I suppose God could have done things that way, right? He could have looked for, He could have set up a covenant and set up a covenant that looks for reciprocity, right? Right? That looks for for that reciprocating from from David, that reciprocating from, from Abraham. He could have allowed them to reciprocate that. But that's not the way God set this up, right? Instead, they were presented with a covenant. We are presented with a covenant, the new covenant in Christ. It's a formal oath. Covenants don't produce relationships, They affirm a relationship that exists. I am establishing a relationship with my people. Well, I'm going to work on this relationship and hope that they reciprocate. It's not the way God works, right? And thank God. Praise Him that that is not the way He works. So, it's not the covenant that produces the relationship. When we, think of, when we think of love, when we think of Christ, when we think of the new covenant and how all this is supposed to work for us and what is actually important, because that's what we, back to the beginning of this, that's what we are talking about, what is actually important as it pertains to building up the church. God uses covenants to establish His kingdom, drawing people to Him. God is identifying a people with Himself. He is distinguishing us from the world. He is calling us to righteousness. He is making us His witnesses. Love unites the lover with the beloved. Are you alive in Christ or are you dead in sin? Because you can't do anything outside of, outside of Christ. We can't do anything. If we're not willfully obedient to the Savior if we're not willfully obedient to knowing Him, living for Him, serving Him in the church, we're to be glorifying Him in the building up of the body. Right? But we have to be committed to God's way. We have to be committed to God's design of what He's doing. We have to be committed to what's important. The gospel being important. That is the most important thing. That is the foundation. Because then we'll see His purposes of the overarching greatness of Him, Him being glorified, then we will see Him glorified. We will see the church actually grow and it will grow in numbers also. And that's what we look for in His purposes. Let's pray. Father, again, we we thank You. We praise You. Father, that You don't leave us in the dark as it pertains to what it is concerning church growth and what it is that is important in the church and the truth of your gospel where we are to be father as those who are to be obedient to you and following you serving you and father that we are to be serving each other that person right now that's in front of us and behind us to our right to our left this is a person that is accountable to us and we are accountable to them And that we are doing this in the unity of faith. Father, yes, we are sinners. But we are sinners that are to act in obedience and following you. And to be sinning less. And looking forward to the time you take us to glory. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this. Help us in this. And may we be more like your son. And, Father, that you would build this church. We thank you for it and praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Tune in again next week as we continue through God's Word at True Vine Baptist Church. We also invite you to like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at I N D. or visit our website at true-vine-baptist.org.